0: You're a female founder of a tech startup, yet you still feel like an outsider? In a world that is run by Silicon Valley, how do we, women entrepreneurs, create the businesses that change the future while overcoming the barriers of the tech industry? This show cuts through it all and is your guide in exploring tech confidently as you become the best founder you can be. I'm Maxine Kramer, founder and CEO of Menenia, where we want you to own technology and change the world. We fast track bold and impactful women into the world of startups by making tech as simple as everyday English. This means no more overwhelming jargon and instead having the tech literacy to funnel your big ambition into a resounding success. This is Cutting Through Tech. Are you secretly the type of leader who just can't let go? And would those working for you go as far to say as you're a bit of a micromanager? If so, this episode is for you. Welcome to Cutting Through Tech. I'm Maxime, and today I am joined by the brilliant Saham Sarin, who is a leadership expert coach, uh, predominantly in the topic and area of how to grow into leaderships. Right. And how to be a better conversationalist. What, what does that mean really? Right. Being a better conversationalist. And I think it's from what I've learned in, in this chat with her, it's around both getting to know yourself better, your own limitations and having faith in your team, such that you learn how to communicate best with your team. Her experience spans multiple sectors, including tech and tech startups. So it's been a real joy to welcome her on the show today.
1: Thank you for having me on.
0: Now, you are a business leader, entrepreneur, executive coach, and it's so exciting to have you on the show because one of the things you focus on is executive coaching, but it sounds like specifically within that, how to better communicate and have better conversations.
1: Yes, we, we're we gifted with speech, right? But we're not... Um... We don't always get it right. And um, oftentimes it's unintentional that uh, things fall out of our mouths, not the way we want it to land. Um, But sometimes we get a little bit carried away by our emotions. And I think as a leader, we have to learn to manage and check those emotions a little bit more.
0: I can definitely relate to that. (laughs) So what do you feel is wrong with kind of the leadership conversations we're having today? Or what are the common
1: errors that you see? It's a really good question. Um, I think we, we, we don't get taught really how to have really good conversations and we certainly don't get taught how to work through a disagreement. I think a lot of our education and training uh, teaches us to not be rude and to just acquiesce and to say yes and to go along with things because that's a polite thing to do. Which, um, you know, is socially okay, but very unhelpful in in workplace situations because um, there are issues, there are disagreements. We all bring different things to it. And so it's important that we learn and know how to have some of those uh, trickier conversations. So... Generally, my sense is that leadership conversations are not very inspiring, um, and that has a lot to do with how people have come into that role. Um, But those conversations are not really showing us how we can contribute as a team member, um, how we can bring our passion to it. Something else I think that um, means that we don't have such great conversations is we can be quite impatient. Um, you know, our brains all work at different speeds. So <laughs> Trying to con- communicate that to people in a way that makes sense and keeps them coming with us can be quite a challenge. And we have a tendency to want to jump into solution mode very quickly, um, either because we've got experience um and and then you know you end up in situations where you assume you have the right to speak, but actually no one's really interested <laughs> in listening um and that speaks to our ego um that sense that we know or we can do or our opinion is right um and so you know we we miss opportunities to listen to observe and reflect so all in all, I think a lot of our conversations these days. Are, um, end up creating more stress in the relationship or in the mm-hmm. dynamic or in the exchange uh, where actually for resolving issues and working through disagreements, we actually need more more connection more emotional connection uh, so we need more oxytocin in the room, so to speak, <laughs> um, so that um, we can work through those those knots um, in our disagreement.
0: Definitely those are those are quite a few things to think about. And I can definitely relate to to some of that from my own experience, kind of, you know, as I move throughout my career and how I've changed um how I interact with people slowly but surely. And what I also thought was really interesting you said was it depends a lot on how you've come into your role, um, what kind of your starting point is, if you will, with with where you're at in in your conversation style and your ability to to kind of talk about those. Trickier things at work. And, you know, in technology and in tech, it's very common for people to start as a startup founder, kind of really hustling, doing it all, um, whether they come from a tech background or not. Um, You know, you're so focused on execution. And like you said, you know, even in conversations, we kind of jump to solution modes uh, first and foremost, instead of really thinking about what are we talking about and why. So as you know, a starter founder and as you, as you want to become a leader and actually take on board a team, what would you recommend uh, in that context? And and have you seen that come about as well in, in that industry a bit more?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, we, we come through into wherever we find ourselves in a leadership role um, from a very tactical Uh, point of view Um, as you said you know we're wearing multiple hats Uh, you're doing a lot of the jobs yourselves it is highly tactical um, very operational and um, what changes when you're in a leadership role is that the the tactics matter less and how you motivate people and the strategic approach you take matters more. And so, you know, I think this is the thing that catches a lot of people out. They're exceedingly good at what they do, and they can think strategically about a problem or how to approach it or how to build it. But when it comes to communicating that to other people who we need to do things that are part of that puzzle we we fall back into being tactical and because it feels like the quickest thing to do and and for sure you know when we're under time pressure We do have to be tactical, and sometimes the easiest thing is to give someone the answer, right, and tell them what to do. But it's not long-lasting. It actually has quite a few negative effects. It's not sustainable because we miss the chance to really get inside someone's head and understand how they think. And that's crucial for building any organization. You have to know how your people are thinking, how they're going to approach a problem, because that gives us peace of mind when a problem occurs, to know that so and so can handle it. And I think that weighs heavily on a lot of entrepreneurs and leaders is, you know, uh, will a person, will my team handle it? And um, if you haven't had the conversations, very hard to know if they can or not. But also, the the, the act of giving someone the answer can in a longer term situation be quite disempowering because it creates a dependency on ourselves. They'll always come to us and ask us because they, don't, they haven't been told um, or shown that actually they are capable and they can do it. So we tend to focus on that sort of on the tactical aspect of building businesses and building teams and less on the on the more strategic and how we need to be intentional and how we communicate. Um, That definitely is a switch um, that needs to happen. So
0: would you have any tips then in terms of how to communicate your vision in a way to your team such that they have the information they need to do their, their roles well without interfering or stepping in and necessarily saying how to do it? Because one of the biggest challenges I see for people, especially entrepreneurs starting in technology, is that it's so intangible what they're trying to make, and they've got a very particular vision. And so communicating that vision is often a really big barrier when trying to hire and scale and, and kind of work with that initial team that you're putting together.
1: Let's take a, a startup and you've got a team of five or you've got a team of 10, um, there's so much that you go through together that um, sort of bonds you, um, the tough times as well as the good times, right, the successes and the failures. And it feels like a family, which is important from the what it says is we've got a deep emotional connection. But um, I think there can be a confusion that, or, or we, we associate that with then being as a leader, being able to to speak out loud or think out loud with our team. And look, we all go through doubts. We have terrible days. Things go wrong. Um, we, you know, we have to get up every morning and and keep going, um, and stay committed. And we've got people relying on us. It's not healthy to share everything with your team members. It's important to make a distinction that um, certain things are important when you're trying to think through a problem or collaborate over an approach or a solution. Then yes, that's important to be in contact with your team members and in fact, you know, delegate pieces to them and ask for their contributions based on their expertise. But there are some things that we're better off talking to other people outside of that family, outside of that group. Um, and um, getting our head clear, we can actually come off to our team as a little bit incoherent, not able to give clear direction, um, you know, when things are changing. And and they are, they're constantly changing. I mean, that's another thing we've got to get really comfortable with things morphing and responding to the market and so on. Um, And so what does that leave our team with? So for those reasons, it's important to carve time into your day where you can be reflective and think about what do you want to achieve today um, and what's important to keep the team focused on.
0: I think that's actually such brilliant advice because just listening to you explain that um, really brings back memories for myself working for founders who indeed kind of hash things out altogether, which builds great trust, but equally does leave you open to seeing all of the messiness, which can cause confusion when it comes to your day-to-day execution as a, you know, as a member of a team. And I think it is actually very, very common in, in startups. So. What I think is interesting as well is, is finally people start to talk more about coaching within startups as well, because I think until now, people have had advisors, people have had mentors, and it's really wonderful to be connected to a lot of great people and, and ask for that advice sometimes. But it's different than having that dedicated time carved out for you to get clear on things, which when you've got a coach or someone that's really dedicated to investing in you and your thinking and your clarity around your, your business, your own life, you know, depending on the style of coaching, I think that can be so beneficial. And of course, you know, you do executive coaching. So can you tell me a little bit more like what that is like for you and the clients that you
1: see? The thing that um, clients say to me in various different words is, um, I never would have got here without you. And that's not because I'm an amazing thinker and, <laughs> and I know their business. It's that they've got someone thinking alongside them and a place to actually air and process and go through all your worries, your your doubts, the conflicting thoughts that you have, working through your emotional attachment to either a conversation or an outcome or a deal or whatever it is, and allowing for you to go into places that that maybe others don't think is appropriate or smart or best use of time. You know, we we judge ourselves, but we also fear that other people judge us as well. To have a place where you can process all your thoughts, the good and the bad, and not feel like you're being judged, but simply going through to test some of your ideas, to, to do some role playing if it's a conversation, a tricky conversation that you need to have, to, to brainstorm how you might approach stuff. And really, as a coach, my role is to help someone get into that better headspace where they are able to think clearly. Um, and then my job is to help um, help you know with that sort of creative piece of working out what do they think and stress testing some ideas, playing devil's advocate and and so on so that they can walk away with with that relief, with that sense of control um, that I know what to do next. Um, I'm not paralyzed um, and I can actually um, take some steps and I feel confident about doing it. And so um, it's important to have some reflective time where you can actually figure all of that out. And when you get to a certain size in a startup, you know it becomes even more important to give really clear direction, um, to not change your mind uh, like a yo yo, and say, "Oh, actually, I think you know we should do it this way instead." Um, to to hand stuff off to people who are better at you, um, at, you know, at what they do, um, and trust that they can do that, um, and and you know the trusting piece of it is well, can I. Um, will they do it to the standard that I want? And so part of what I help my clients do is, well, what's it that you need them to do? What is the standard that you're expecting them to do it at? Let's have that conversation So that you can, you know, when you're, you're delegating a piece of work to somebody, you're crystal clear, the two of you are really aligned um, as to, you know, what the expectation is, what are the consequences of this going great? And what are the consequences of it not working out well at all? Um, So let's, let's get clear on that. And then, you know, how can you give that to somebody and make it their own?
0: Definitely, I think that definition is so helpful, because oftentimes as well, we The worst thing you can do almost is make assumptions and you think that someone knows what you mean and you know we we only say like a small percentage of what we're actually envisioning thinking feeling and that can lead to i think so much confusion and so much information getting lost in the mix that sounds so wonderful and i wish that um i would have thought more about that looking back at my career but also people i've worked with and i I think it's normal. I think it's also pretty human in a way, but it doesn't mean that we can't strive to to be better and more clear in the process. One of my questions as well then is, because you've had um, successful businesses, you have a successful business now, which I believe is slightly different from one you used to run before. Can you tell me a little bit more about that process and also how you found it as an entrepreneur yourself and as a leader yourself, executing this in, in your situation?
1: I think the thing that I realized um, over the past 20 years is how much um, I enjoy um, seeing people thrive and um, that has a good deal to do with what I'm doing today, working as a coach. And yes, I've I've done other things in the past. I've only been um, in this space for the past eight, nine years. Um, and uh, it, it's an incredibly rewarding place to be. In terms of whenever I have either led a team or run my own business, um, someone once said to me, you should hand stuff over to someone and um, and consider making yourself redundant. And I love that because um, for a couple of reasons. One is I'm the kind of person who enjoys creating something and then um once I've done it once, I'm ready to hand it off. For me, the enjoyment is in the initial creation and uh, seeing the change happen. So I always enjoyed that part of whatever work I was doing. Uh, was that loved creating, starting something, and then here, what can you, how can you make this better? How can you make this your own? Because I've had my experience of it, and uh, it's time for somebody else to do something better with it. We all start from a place and we can all grow into an even bigger place and realize things that we didn't think we could ever do or achieve. And so for me, that's always been a a big driver. The business that I was doing was was important, was exciting. Um, It was, you know, my biggest sort of enterprise was um, running a B2B uh, service company uh, in corporate housing and uh, the model that we used was was quite different at the time to the way um assignees were being housed during projects and um and for me the the challenge was how can we improve the quality of life for these people and how can we do it cheaper um so that whole journey was a wonderful experience um and taught me so much about uh, business about humans, uh, what we struggle with, our challenges, as well as you know, um, making a strong business case for something. And um, in terms of leadership, um, I just, I think, I think enjoying people's company and seeing people grow handing stuff off to them to make better very rewarding spaces for me Um, it's all part of the journey right I mean you know yes as an entrepreneur you you're building something quite amazing but at the end of the day you if you don't have anyone to share that with um, that's quite a lonely road to take. And so it's the people that you meet along the way that join you on that journey for parts or all of it that create the memories, um, the lasting memories, both for you and and others. Some people may disagree, but I think, you know, the, the mission is important for sure. Um, the people are too.
0: Yeah, I love that because people so often describe entrepreneurial journeys as incredibly lonely. And in a weird way, That's, you know, I can see where they're coming from with that. But at the same time, actually, you're in an incredible position almost to choose who you surround yourself with and who you take along with that. And, you know, you can see how certain teams actually bond so strongly. And it's an interesting dichotomy of like, is it actually a kind of a solo journey or is it actually the complete opposite of that
1: Yes. Uh, yeah, it's a fascinating a fascinating space. I think we all start with it being an idea, don't we, of that, that, uh, something that we can do uh, that would make the world better. And it takes a lot of courage and guts and stamina to get it to a place where it's viable. Um, and that really does come down to you initially. And then after that, it's learning to let go. And, I, and this is another piece that I see a lot with entrepreneurs is this letting go, um, handing stuff off to other people and not being the bottleneck in your organization because you're hiring experts. (laughs) Um, Make sure they're great people and uh, give them the chance to make it their own. Um, Everyone wants to contribute. Everyone wants to have uh, a way uh, that uses their skills uh, gives them purpose, gives them focus, uh, makes them feel valued. As leaders, it's learning to let go of things and hand them off and say, here, take it, you know, make it better. This is what I, this is, these are my absolutes and non-negotiables. I think that's important to be clear about um, the things that you, that you feel like your product or service can't compromise on. But after that, it's yours, right? So long as those, those criteria are met, um, make it better and um and you want people who can challenge your thinking again that's part of it someone who can uh look at what you're doing and say hey you know i think this that we could do this a little bit better are you interested um those are the people that you want um on your team when we can't do that when we can't hear other people's opinions i think it reveals it reveals our vulnerability our worry about being found out to not know not have the answers um or or you know some of our indecisions, some of our concerns and that's why you know having someone who helps you do that thinking independent outside of how the team sees you I think is crucial to being able to let go
0: is there a wrong and a right way of letting go I ask because what I've seen a lot in technology is that um, people, you know, they, they don't always feel as familiar or as comfortable with technology. So there's a really strong desire um, early on to actually completely outsource it. And personally, I I kind of usually advise against that because you oftentimes then people come back with something that you didn't want because you have to be involved to a certain extent for you to get to the point that you've learned enough to Communicate effectively what it is that you you're looking for that that other person or team uh, would then execute on. So in terms of of letting go, is there is there a right way and a wrong way of doing that? You think?
1: Well, I think what you've just described is is a way that I operate, and I think it's important to understand where the pain points and what the what where the difficulties are um, and what the capabilities are of the technology that you're working with for lots of reasons. One, so that you can communicate it better to other people. Two, so you understand the limits of that piece of kit. And that when you do hand it off to someone, you don't have unreasonable expectations about what can be achieved, as well as what can be achieved. So unless you unless you're familiar with what that technology can do, you you put yourself at a disadvantage. So I completely agree with your position on it. And, you know, a, another thing that I do is very tactical is to document it, write stuff as you go. Um, and um, it makes it much easier when it comes to handing stuff over um, is to say, um, here's everything I know about it. Here's the, you know, the big decisions I made along the way. So you understand why I have a preference for this over something else. And that can be that can take a lot of stress away and make it easy to hand something over to somebody else. Um, Because, you know, you can't in a single sitting in a conversation or even over, you know, weeks of handing stuff off. Pass on everything that was inside your head. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying write down a diary or write down every thought that you have, but you want to write the pertinent things and you know develop a shorthand for writing stuff down. It's uh, you know it it sounds um, simplistic. It sounds like it could take a lot of time. It shouldn't. Um, and the the simplicity is in the fact that you can hand stuff over much more easily if you've got something to hand over, um, and so that's that's just my little tip of, you know, because I'm going through that process at the moment where I've brought people in to do different parts of the business that I just don't have time to do, and they're much better at it than me. They're experts at what they do, and so um, to have, to be able to hand them over some documents and some information has just made that a lot easier. Um, in terms of you know the the information exchange and ramping people up
0: that's such a good tip I think as well um, it's so easy to feel overwhelmed I think as entrepreneurs that when you get to the point of wanting to let go either you you can't because you care you know you're really invested or it indeed is kind of a please take take this on and you almost indeed forget that other people need a starting point that is a bit more than a conversation or a handover or a one pager, because, you know, it has been in your head for, for months, maybe years. Uh, and it's, it's hard to expect someone to, to hit the ground running if they don't have the information they need So. To- so i think that's absolutely
1: crucial as you say and i think something else that's um that's key as especially you know i'm assuming you know your business grows and uh you know the number of people in your organization grows um something that i see a lot is leaders or entrepreneurs have developed, you know, that their brand is tightly associated with the product or service brand of the company. And it's a really limiting factor because it speaks into someone who can't let go. It speaks into wanting to be involved in every decision in a way that actually becomes crippling for uh, the people that you've hired because they can't make decisions Unless you've seen it and signed off on it, which you don't have the time to do, so it it creates this phenomenal drag in the organisation to get stuff done at speed, and so and that's just from having an you know an emotional attachment or association about who you are and the business that you're building. So um, you know I really encourage people to think about as early on as you can start to decouple who you are from the brand of the organization that you're building.
0: That's such a great insight because, you know, people tend to talk about that from a exit point of view. If you wanted to sell on your business, it has to be its own standalone entity almost. It can't be, you know, just like a reflection of you. And and there's a limit to how you can scale or grow your business as well when it's about you. If you're, you know, apart from probably being a celebrity or something like that. But indeed from a a personal brand perspective. I'd never even considered that, that you end up having to, I mean, you probably want to sign off things because it's tied to your name. And so for simplicity reasons, but also for protection of yourself in a way, separating it, you know, you do it with your accounts, you do it, you know, you incorporate your business separately. So why would you not do it from a brand perspective as well? That's so interesting.
1: it is it is and it's understandable though as well right it's understandable you have to have emotional passion to get something off the ground um and um but you know that there does come that point where we 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 lose sight of you know what our role now is um and um i've seen it i've seen it really um drain people who report into those individuals and uh a sense of hopelessness of giving up because it doesn't matter what idea they come up with, you know, the boss is always going to overrule me. So I don't really know why I'm here. And um, if you talk to those leaders, that's absolutely not the kind of person they want on their team. That is not the impact they were thinking they would have. You know, they see themselves as quite different and they would justify as, you know, well, the standard and the quality is really important and people don't get it. Well, then, you know, that, that's on you to, to bring people with you and to explain and to help you know, people make, make some of those threads um, that are making up that solution or product their own so that, um, so that you're missing the opportunity otherwise to tap into their talents, their passions, um, their integrity for doing great work. Um, and so uh, it's unintentional, but it's a, it's a very common consequence.
0: And as a business owner, um, have there been any big surprises for you as, you as you started your business or started your second business and kind of grew from there?
1: Oh, that's a, a really interesting question. I think what I can say about that is there've been opportunities to grow. And that was never, that's never how I started it out. You, you know, you start things out because you think they're a great idea. The surprise, I guess, is just how much I grew in that phase, in that time. And certainly, uh, the first big business I had, I, I grew a lot. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about making decisions fast and the consequences of good decisions and bad decisions, where you invest your money, uh, what resources you allocate, Um all these things, the solutions you're making, you're accountable, Um, you know, the buck stops with you. As a, um, as a woman and as a mother, you know, I had uh, I started a family at the same time as starting the business and um, that was tough. That was a very steep learning curve. And my children were very close in age. Now they're teenagers uh, and one might say they've broken me in now But I have grown, I've learned, I learned, I think you learn a lot from having children anyway uh, about yourself. And uh, I learned a lot uh, in running business as well. And the two things colliding was quite a challenge at times um, and, and really quite difficult very immensely rewarding at times but you know there there were times you know when they were very young when I'd be on my knees <laughs> and you still have to get up and you still have to go and have those client meetings and um and you know compose yourself and arrive and and provide uh, a solution to your clients and then you step out of that meeting and and you know you're reminded of the things that are going on in the background um it's uh, an incredibly enriching um, experience.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've we've got a lot of female listeners listening into the show, so I'm sure that they have been in similar situations or are wondering about it. I know I am because, you know, I'm, I'm working on my business and um, I love children. I have a lot of cousins, most of whom I've seen born, and, you know, I'm excited about starting my family in the future. But I thought a lot as well about, you know, how do you combine that, and can I set up the business in a way that it actually allows me more time with my family rather than take me away? And you know, I don't have answers to that, but I know it's it's top of mind. Do you have any tips for women who are you know about to embark on on a family uh, growing and expanding their family as well as entrepreneurial you know ambitions?
1: Yes, i think um I think we compartmentalize family life, children from our business. And I think as women, mothers, soon to be mothers, you know, I think we have to think about childcare as part of our business strategy. What I mean by that is in the same way that you might pay attention to, you know, where are you going to operate from? Uh, What platforms are you going to need to run your business? Um, Who, you know, what are the relationships that you need to build um, in order to get things off the ground and grow your business, um, your childcare, your support, your familial stuff as equally part of um, that infrastructure that you need to put in place. And I certainly didn't. This was something that, um, that you know I bumbled through and, and figured my way out uh, through because being a mother was new, um, running a business was new. And um I did things like uh I had a, a nursery that was on my way to the office. Um and I could walk to the nursery and then on to the office. That was brilliant. And our times are slightly different now where we we, you know, most of us are, are actually looking at or working from home. But you know, just ta- that was a sort of tactical thing to make the start and end of my day possible. But you know. Children are wonderfully unpredictable and certainly as a parent, a new parent, um, things are even more unpredictable because we don't really know <laughs> what that cry means, certainly with our first one. Um, I can say now that um, I have my checklist for Uh, A a baby crying is either they're tired, hungry, or they've got a dirty nappy. So it's one of those three, (laughs) if anyone needs those tips. Um, Again, a mistake I made is I got help with looking after the children, and I would do the housework. And that's totally the wrong way around. You get someone in to do the housework um, and uh, and whatever precious time you have, you spend with your children and family. And then when it comes to childcare, when you need that kind of cover, have plan A, plan B, plan C, because things are going to go wrong. They're going to go fully wrong. Um, and so you, you absolutely need, you know, uh, two, three, four people who you can rely <laughs> on at short notice um, to help you out. I, I think the other thing is looking after your physical and mental health. Um, you know, that's, that's a part of it. Sure. Time when your children are little goes so fast. And when you're running a business, it goes faster. Um, so, um, you know, looking after yourself physically and mentally means that you can be in, in your best self when you are with your children. Um, so those are some of my learnings. Thank you for
0: sharing that. I think that is really encouraging and helpful to hear. And, you know, these are the conversations that we we want to be having, um, especially now when, you know, kind of there is always this question of, as women, can we do it all in the balancing act and everything? And um, men still don't have those conversations enough, I don't think. <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, but being honest about it and, and realizing how can we actually do it at least for me, encouraging and helpful because it makes me feel like I don't have to choose between the two. And like you say, if you plan it as one thing, because it is your life and you are planning both of those things into your life, I think that's a really nice way of looking at it. And then, you know, there's also part of, I think, going along with the ride. Like, you know, again, I don't, I don't have a family yet, but I assume that no matter how much I plan, there'll be things that I, you know, can't foresee or prep for. (laughs) I don't know if you can relate to that
1: yeah I love my kids dearly um but when you're under pressure you know having to deliver a deadline it can feel like you know it's an impossible mm. thing to reconcile um how do I do both and um and it is it is harder. Uh, you know, they talk the, the sort of sound advice about setting up a business is you need an 18-month runway, right? Of funding. I'd say double that if you have children or are planning on having children. It it you know, it takes uh everything takes much longer. And you we do ourselves a disservice by uh trying to push things to happen because the losers in it are you and the kids right you, you the quality of your relationship is lessened because of this horrible pressure Um, and um, children when they need a hug they need a hug when they're hungry they need to eat and you know these are our responsibilities as parents and um, it's it we can't come to a point where it's an irritation or it's an annoyance and and therefore we're we're not our best mum and um, because those are memories that stay with you they don't go away and um, and so I would say if you're thinking, you know, an 18-month runway, double it. Um, And that may sound harsh, but um, I think if you want to have Uh, you know, a a wonderful uh, experience of your children when they're young um, and enjoy being a mum and enjoy the time and the the silliness and the frivolity and, you know, uh, playing and all of that. Life's so serious. And that's the wonderful thing that kids give us. They face us again with this um, opportunity to be playful again um, that we can lose sight of. So there's so much uh that's wonderful about starting a family and, and raising children. There's so much that's tough as well. Uh, and on top of that, running a business. So, you know, and if you are in charge, then then set stuff up so it works for you. Um, you know, don't it be an afterthought or a cobble, you know, a cobbling together of a of a makeshift solution that gets you through this week. Build it so it lasts in the way that you want your business to last.
0: So as we wrap up um, this episode, uh, there's something that I I love to ask you know all the guests on the show, which is, what are three of the top skills that you feel you've developed that have become integral to, you know, you as an entrepreneur and how you run your business, or, you know, it's not just a you know not productivity skills necessarily, but that help you do what you do best.
1: Um, I have learned to. Talk to people, talk with people, um, ask questions, help understand, help to help me understand what they're struggling with, what their thoughts are, what their feelings are. Because if I can understand those and understand the way that they express themselves, then I'm in a better position to be able to express or translate that into how I can help them. And, um, and certainly, you know, uh, specifically around the, the conversations in leadership, um, you know, those conversations all feed into and have fed into the course that I've built um, called Leaders Who Coach. It's uh, built into how I am with my clients um, and the videos that I produce. Um, and uh, um, that's something that's going to be um something I'm doing more and more of, um, is is a re- providing information around, you know, what are those trouble spots. And it goes for any business to really understand the problem or the solution that you're providing. It's so important to have as many conversations as you can with people to understand um, what it is. Um, so that's one. And then um, planning out my my days and my weeks. I have regular sessions Uh, I've learned to sort of either the beginning of the day or end of the day, I'll shuffle stuff around in my calendar based on where the priorities are. Um, and sometimes I'll have, you know, big, um, sessions with myself where I'm planning what needs to happen in order to meet some of my strategic goals. And so that's, um, being able to do that and know, and and being relaxed about it, um, I think you know, for some of us who want order and structure and predictability, the world of being an entrepreneur doesn't give you that. <laughs> um, you, you, things are morphing, things are shifting all the time, as we were talking about earlier. So, um, I've learned to map stuff out and then. Being comfortable to just know it's going to get moved, it'll have to get moved later on, so and that's okay. Um, but the point is, have it somewhere so that I don't forget it. Um, one final thing might be, um, to not procrastinate, um, and uh, you know, there are always things that we don't want to do, you know, they may be easy, but we just don't enjoy doing them. And so we put them off. Or the other thing is spending money on the right stuff. Um, You know, not spending money on the shiny fun stuff, Um, though, you know, if it's a reward, then fair enough. (laughs) But um, spending it on the right stuff that's really going to uh, give you back time in some way. So those are the things that I think I've, I've learned to do. That sounds wonderful. Thank you for sharing.
0: So, you know, you already mentioned your your course. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Where can listeners find you and work with you?
1: Yeah. Well, um, so the course, um, Leaders Who Coach, it's it's about that. It's about learning uh, the skills in conversation that really ground you as a leader, that um, help you build those emotional connections with people. Um, that uh, teach you some new phrases and and conversation skills like uh, questions and and uh, listening and our use of language um, and uh, and then thinking about you know how do you apply that how do you grow people so that your team can do more I've, I've poured as much as I can of my own learnings into it uh, my experiences um, and uh, just a sprinkling of science um, to 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 ground a lot of the concepts um, but it's um you know it's uh, it's aimed at trying to help people achieve that much more enjoy that journey much more as a leader and um, have feel more confident in it so if anyone is interested they can find it at leaderswhocoach.today we will take you to the course you can also get there through betterconversations.co um, and there's also info about uh, working with me Um, as a coach. And incidentally, there's a free infographic for feedback conversations um, that you can get if you subscribe to my newsletter. Uh, And it just takes you through some phrases, uh, questions, scenarios like, you know, having to give feedback remotely um, and dealing with conflict and those sorts of things that I think are very current uh, challenges at the moment. And my, my big push over the next few months is lots of videos, Based on the course. Uh, so, sound bites uh, from that to share some other skills and, and techniques and phrases, easy things that people can pick up.
0: That sounds wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. And I will include all of those links in the show notes if you're interested. So, thank you so much for um, joining me today on Cutting Through Tech, uh, Sam. Like, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. And of course, I, to be honest, I expected nothing less given that you are a master conversationalist. But thank you so much for for being here and taking the time.
1: Thank you. This has been really fun. Thank you for having me on.
0: Thank you, Sam, for being on the show. I thoroughly enjoyed this chat and uh, walked away with a lot of different insights. It's definitely one of those things, right? So on this show, it's it's for female founders in tech. Uh, I assume if you're listening, you are aspiring to be a female founder, you are a female founder, you are interested in tech or you are in tech. And so one of the things I enjoy is to try and bring you as diverse a range of topics as possible so that you can grow and learn to be, you know, the best possible version of yourself for your business. I mean, you're wonderful already, I'm sure. (laughs) But we can always learn, we can always grow. And uh, yeah, if this show inspires you to do that and you enjoy listening do leave us a review and share it share it with your friends share it with your fellow founders share it in your networks if these conversations are supporting you in some way shape or form being a badass rule-breaking female founder in tech now don't forget later this week we have another special episode in our investor series so i hope to see you there And otherwise, have a fabulous day and I'll see you next time.